Grace Rodney, Rodney talks for the superstars. This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins, and joining me today, you've heard him before. He's back. We're trying a new format. Um, Mr. Alex Menacal. What's up, Alex? Ernest, how are you? Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do something different with Office Hours, um, probably from this point forward. But basically, the whole point of it is now to kind of take a look at the business behind culture. Right. So this is kind of a rebrand. You know how like a TV show isn't doing really well. At the first, like We were doing well. Let me be clear. We were doing well. But we were like, you know, strategically, how can we provide the best benefit for you, the best subscribers and listeners on the planet? Exactly. I mean, we were I mean, remember ER in the 90s? That was that's where Office Hours is. Yeah. And we're just trying to get to a new place. Yeah, it's must see TV. We're going to, you know, George Clooney's leaving the show. So it's just going to be Eric LaSalle and Juliana Margulis. Just exactly. like. And Anthony Edwards, who I think was on the show for every episode. I know too much about ER, I think. I do remember Anthony Edwards being on there just because anything Goose does, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Shout out to, rest in peace, Goose. Um, from the, you know they're doing another Top Gun? I, I love that idea. Frankly, the other really? day, I, I, had the, I had the privilege of watching somebody, my spouse, watch Top Gun for the first time. And she turns to me at some point and goes, wait. Goose doesn't die, <laughs> and I had to just be like, "We gotta just, we, we gotta just watch and see." Yeah, like, okay, that's we, we'll get into what we're talking about today here shortly. But like, I just want to go on record as saying that I think Top Gun Two is a bad idea. Oh, it's definitely a bad idea. I just want to see how bad. Okay, on a scale of one to let's call Battleship. Jersey Battleship. They made a movie about the game Battleship, but then made it like Aliens and like Rihanna was in it. <laughs> That's the, that's the entire that's the movie. I think, there it is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Rihanna's in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think so. Going clear got me off of Tom Cruise forever. Like genuinely, like, I I was like, nope. No, for, no, no. For, for the people at home, I'm nodding. Yeah, very strongly. Yeah, yes. you gotta. Yeah, they can't see it, so you gotta tell them. Um, <laughs> that was a strong nod, very much so. Um, but I haven't been able to watch a Tom Cruise anything since going clear. You know what's a good one is The Edge of Tomorrow because you get to see Tom Cruise get shot like 50 times. See, but I don't even want him to get shot. I just want him to not like be a part of an organization that is terrible. It is. Um, it, yeah, here's the thing. He's just incredibly lovable on screen. Yeah, no. It's it, just like sick. Camera loves him. Camera like, loves you can't him. deny that. Um, so, so top, hold on, hold on. Just <laughs> let's game out Top Gun 2. Here. Let's do it. Let's here's, do it. Here's what Top Gun 2 is going to look like. Okay. Okay, Tom Skerritt. Who? Was that is the he was the Top Gun dude? He was the head of the Top Gun sure. school. Remember him? He was the old dude at the school that they were going to in to, original. Oh yeah, the, right, the right? flight school. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That role is going to be played by Tom Cruise, right? No, Come I think on. Tom Cruise will not take a backstage role to anything. This is a vanity project. Your boy is coming out there. I'm a retired guy, and I'm guessing they'll give him like a little brother or like a kid. Right. And his kid is a hotshot pilot like dad. And then something happens. I'm guessing they'll use whatever, you know, whatever country we're in a, a dispute with IRL. It's like Syria. And they'll be like, OK, Syrians have kidnapped your son. You got to save him using a jet. Here's, here's who it's not going to be. It's mm. not going to be China. No, it no. won't. They ain't stupid. Can't, can't have a war with China. No, nah, bro, are you kidding me? It's not done. Who, who do you think is watching all these movies? Who do you think is funding all these movies? Shout out to everybody who is currently listening to this, wondering why we are now 
four minutes in on a conversation around Top Gun too. <laughs> it's all because uh, you know Anthony Edwards was on ER. Yeah, shout out like- to him. See, see, this is the new the new office hours. You can kind of stretch out. You know, we can really just see these points all the way to their logical conclusion, and then you know get back to it. <laughs> and then we mosey along to our our, our perfectly produced script. <laughs> That's it. And speaking of, so basically, you know. The new format of Office Hours, we are going to try to, again, bring some business insights into culture. And I think the way to do that is to kind of pre- present an example. Every episode, we're calling it a case study. Um, so what's up, Harvard Business Review? The streets ain't safe. We coming for you. Um, we are saying, like, okay, let's take a case study that is ripped from the headlines of the world that we are currently living in culturally. And let's apply a solution to figure out how to do something like, well, like just talk about it, I guess. So question, what are, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay. Today we are talking about soccer. Oh yes. Nice. More specifically the Chicago fire. Um, they are the major league soccer franchise of the city of Chicago and had, I would say success early on when they first like became it. Cause they were an expansion team as were, you know, all the other MLS teams in the nineties. And they won their title in their first season. Um, I think it was like 98 or 99. I'm not sure. Um, but since then, it's been there's been some highs, but there's been more lows. Like the team traditionally isn't a higher, you know, upper echelon team in Major League Soccer. Um, they've had some really great players. Currently, they have, you know, um, like Bastian Schweinsteiger, German, you know, national team legend. Like, like it was on Bayern Munich forever. Um, I actually, there's a bunch of people on the team right now that I personally like, but I think as a organization there isn't as much support in the city as much as you might see from you know like the bears obviously the number one i would say i think everybody in the city is like a bears fan um cubs socks everything so for me it's like okay i love soccer soccer obviously global sport um you know there's a lot of conversation around it but the news came out this week that the chicago fire is relocating back to chicago um and so Basically, they play at SeatGeek Stadium, um, used to be Toyota Park, in Bridgeview, which is a suburb of the city. There's a really good Portillo's right there. You know, shout out to them. Um, and so you go ahead. It's uh, 12 miles southwest. Yeah, yeah, southwest, right. Significant hall. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's been the point made that, like, there are other stadiums that are farther away from a city center. But the thing that you will, you know, you ask anybody who has attended a fire game um, who doesn't live in that region will tell you, you know, it's kind of a schlep to get there because there isn't a direct public transportation option. You know, a lot of places are right off like a train line or like a bus or something. So it's kind of a, a hall to get to. And I think the team has done a really good job of working with like local bars in the city and like restaurants to say like, Hey, we're going to do these buses. They'll go from, you know, like AJ Hudson's up in Lakeview and then take you to the game and back. Right. And you, there'll be some beers. Like I've, I've ridden these buses. It's a fantastic concept. However, I think, the major issue plaguing the team right now is that there's no sense of identity within the city. Right. So they are, do you have how much money they're spending to break this lease to move back to the city? Yeah. So the, the, the piece that I read, um, had it at 60 million. Um, and that's broken up like this. So, so the Chicago fire, the investor operators behind the Chicago fire, uh, are going to pay out, uh, $10 million flat out to Bridgeview. And that's going to go to fund a youth soccer uh, facility. And then over the next 15 years, uh, the Chicago Fire is going to pay uh, the remainder of that. So uh, I think that ends up being, so it's $50 million mm-hmm. over 15 years, whatever that math is. Right. 
Um, so, so really, they're looking at. To, to me, the ma- the math here is okay. Where what are the investor operators? Uh, streams of revenue right. and what do they what do they have to gain from moving to chicago right right okay so let's 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 approach it strategically from start because i think the thing is like how do you get chicago to become fire fans like how does the city how does the fire win the city right and uh, really what each so so one of the cool things about the way mls works mm-hmm. is that there's mls the, the the main mothership organization that uh, that takes in broadcast revenue right. and the, the majority of all the money that do they the, do a rev share? I don't know. They, that they, league does. Yeah, so they, okay. they then prorate the what's paid out to each team uh, based on how much each team has contributed to the overall. Right. OK. Uh, so think, it's like a par- it's not like a parody thing where like everybody gets a piece of like Major League Baseball. Like a lot of teams are kind of subsidized the smaller market teams by the contract because everybody splits everything. It, it is it is like that, but more true, more true parody. OK. Than Major League Baseball. I believe. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one, w- the investor operator streams of revenue include things like ticket sales mm-hmm. and parking. Yeah. Uh, all the stadium merch. Uh, right now, uh, SeatGeek Stadium uh, seats twenty thousand for a game. Okay. They're not filling that. They actually, uh, they seated something like seventeen thousand in twenty seventeen on average, and fourteen thousand in twenty eighteen. Wow. Uh, so they're trending down. Right. Um, so I think to me, the, the it's worth it, right? Just the the numbers of it are worth it if they can add more income than what they're paying out to get out of, out of their lease. So yeah. really what they're trying to do is say, from my point of view, it's like, okay, it's going to be even easier for you to go to a Chicago Fire game yep. instead of saying it's, I guess, I guess maybe they learn that it's a really heavy lift to get somebody inside of Chicago to go out to Bridgeview to watch a game. And, right? and not to mention the fact that like sports live and die by kids. Right. And so if, if it takes a, a, a real pain to get like a, say a family of three, you got three kids or something, you know, getting them out there might be a hassle. Right. I mean, expensive. this place yeah. like Bridgeview, it's, it's like 294 and like right. 55. And let's like, be very serious. Like this is a very, you know, like small gripe to have, but I do have a lot of anecdotal evidence because I've talked to, I mean, probably under a hundred people at this point. I asked the same question, you know, are you a soccer fan? Yeah. And they, they're usually fans of, you know, premier league team or mm-hmm. Liga, Liga MX or whatever. And they have soccer knowledge. They have soccer support. They spend money on gear. They spend money on going to games, you know, if like the international cup um, comes here every year and it's like, you know, one of the prestigious teams like a Barca or Atletico Madrid, I think is mm-hmm. coming this year. Like, they spend money on soccer. And so my question was always, like, Chicagoans, we know you spend money on soccer. Why aren't you spending money on the fire? And the people, and again, this is almost 100 people, I'd say, over the past couple of years. Everyone's just like, you know, it's kind of it's tough to get to, and the team's not good. Right. So, so I mean, imagine the, imagine, I guess this would take place in 2020, right? Yeah. Next year, next right. season, yeah. So, I mean, as part of what we're going to be doing here, trying to figure out how they would then sell yeah. this. Okay. 100%. Cool. And, and, yeah. and what I think is a benefit is something where I want Chicago to win, period. And I think the fire as an organization have a really great opportunity to leverage the soccer community in the city, an international city, to create a culture that will be something that can be blossoming over, like it can blossom over the years to come. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, the thing for me is, and then the biggest example I have is, so I was recently in Atlanta, 
right? And if you've been following MLS, you've been following kind of the rise of Atlanta United um, mm-hmm. expansion team. I think they've been around 2015 or 2016. I'm not sure. Actually, it might be 2015. But they have, without a doubt, created one of the most interesting stories around sports marketing I've seen in years where they have created basically a culture within the city of Atlanta by tapping into, you know, the, the I'm not gonna say zeitgeist, but like the ethos and like the spirit of an international city. Cause Atlanta, mm-hmm. like there's people from all over in Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. CNN brings a lot of people in like the airlines, all that stuff. Um, just a lot of businesses as well. But I think what they do really well is they got everybody. You go to Atlanta right now, you can go to a barbershop in Buckhead you can go to a, a place off down a low Holloway, AKA Bankhead and Atlanta United flags are everywhere. They're on bumper stickers. They're in people's cars and it's all in the city's ages. People are flying the flags. Right. And, and, and Mercedes, they're at Mercedes. Yeah, they're, Stadium, yeah. And that is downtown. Atlanta? That is downtown Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, it's, so, yeah. So Atlanta, Seattle and Minnesota have the, uh, there were a couple of the top teams yeah. and they all have uh, urban shared football stadium right. stadium deals right uh, which is interesting to me because when i st- first looked at the story i was like okay shared stadiums aren't good soccer stadiums are different from football stadiums mm-hmm. it turned out to be totally wrong on both of those counts yeah um, and i think that's a that's a good point because i've heard both of those it's like i don't like them going to soldier field because it's going to look weird they're not going to pack it out but for me i think the benefit of creating a culture will outweigh any issues you might have because if I can establish a place that this is a place you need to be mm-hmm. right in a city, it doesn't matter because right. people will do what they got to do to get there and right. they'll show up in mass. Right. And let's talk about culture. You know how um, like just from my like anthropology 101 class, yeah. the guy was like, <laughs> what is culture? And I was like, I don't know. It's yeah. arts. It's novels. And he's like, no, it's any learned behavior. That's it. So like, how do you create culture if you're a sports team and you're saying, uh, we're, we're having the shift. We've got new news, yeah. but long term, 15, 20 years from now, this is going to pay out. Right. right. How do you create culture? This is a point in time where I'm also going to say in future episodes of Office Hours, if you're listening to this and you have the answers to these questions because you do this for a living, you should come on and talk with us because we want your expertise. And I think people who are passionate about this stuff make for more interesting podcasts. Culture, oh. Like if there's a cultural anthropologist who's that's a, me, bro, who's that's a literally what I do for a living. Okay. That's All literally right. what I do for a living. Okay. Like I'm a cultural anthropologist who d- like just makes stuff. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always well, tell people like I'm like I didn't get I need to write like a dissertation to get like legit, but you know I'm on the outside looking in. I'm like the kid who had the talent who like it's a Goodwill Hunting scenario. Yes. Like I have no anthropology like PhD or any sort of MA, but it's just gonna be like yo, I'm gonna go in the laboratory at night and I'm going to solve all the word problems. And Robin Williams just saw you podcasting to yourself. That's it. After, after, you know, cleaning the classroom, <laughs> just said, this guy's got a gift. Yeah. This guy's got a gift. That's it. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So let's go back to the question of creating culture. I have kind of taken a couple of just kind of loose bullet points that are at the top of my head. And I think if like, let's say, you know, the fire listening to this and they came in to mess tomorrow, here's what I would say. I would say, Cities are cultural landmarks, period. They have history. They've been around longer than 20 years. They have history, right? So the nostalgia piece of it, I think, is a huge piece to play. Now, I don't think there's any value in just like, we're Chicago. We love Chicago. We work hard. It's a hardworking man with a, you know, lunch pail. Like that, I think the ethos of Chicago has changed in terms of like on the actual streets day to day. Like, yes, people are still, you know what I'm saying, grinding it out. And shout out to you if you're one of those people. 
Um, I think for me though, soccer culture is about fans, Mm -hmm. you know, so like the supporters groups, you know, the, 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 the insanity of the fan bases. Um, I think they're also about pride. So like city pride, of course, is a piece of it, but I think that the difference between nostalgia and city pride is that one is active and one is passive. Yep. Um, and so I think city pride is active, right? Yeah. Like I'm wearing a bull's hat right now Yep. and the bulls are not playing. I wish they were, but they're not. Um, but the city pride piece of it is like, I'm going to wear this. Somebody's going to see me in an airport. They're going to go, let's go bulls. Yeah, baby. Like, you know, I see somebody who went to Florida state anywhere. and I'm like, what's up? Go Knowles. So I think (laughs) that's a difference. Like nostalgia is a piece of it. Like, Oh, remember when they were good. Yeah. Oh, remember like, you know, that's throwback jerseys. That's an opportunity to tap into somebody else's nostalgia. But I think the miss for the fire this entire time has been Chicago as a city has not fully been represented. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean like there's not enough diversity in the ads. What I mean is like the sense of the city of Chicago, you know, somebody from the city, they ask you what high school you went to within four minutes of you meeting them. Like that ethos, I do not feel translates into the fire. I know a bunch of people who are in like, you know, the supporters club. Those people are real effing Chicagoans and oh, I yeah. love them. And I'm like, put them out front. Section E or whatever. Yeah, Section E, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, put them out front because if I see them, I'm like, oh, I, that's so and so from high school. Oh, I know that dude. He lives over by me. Yeah. Like, you build those city connections. And I think that's a step in the right direction. So put the supporters out in front as opposed to being like, they are a product of it. Because I think if you can show me that a bunch of people who look like me and go to the same places I go and do the same things I do are super into this, it's a mm-hmm. learned behavior, right? Yeah. So now you're going to teach people, hey, if you love Chicago, you love the Chicago Fire. And, you know, you put together content around that to really emphasize that point. But the whole point of it is establishing that passion. And the sense of uh, shared experience. 100%. Yeah. Like there's nothing more powerful than moments of collective joy. Yeah. Right. If you just like if you talk about the Cubs World Series win, like people in the room will just get goosebumps thinking about it. Right. Right. Like that parade. Unbelievable. Going to any going to any. Any, anything where everybody's around a collective purpose mm-hmm. and they're all sharing in that is right. incredible. Right. And like, I think it, like to me, this move is, is the owners saying it's going to be easier to get people to the stadium to build those shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like the big opportunity here is like get out in the city, get to the places where people who are watching and people who are soccer fans yep. and people who are, our families who would go to the game if it were e- a little bit easier. Yeah. Right. Go out there, have a sponsorship on a field. Yes. Go to a, you know, go to the, go to the bars that are opening early to play premier games. Yeah. You're getting ahead. Yeah. You're getting it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Hey, did you know you can have this like a real in stadium experience in Chicago? And I think so that, that, that's a perfect example of kind of the, the topic I wanted to segue into next, because for me, the personal experience of supporting a team is emotional. 100%. Right. I, you support a team, good, bad, they suck, you're upset. You know, the city, like when the Bears got kicked out of the playoffs by your boy missing those field goals, oh, yeah. the city felt weird the next day. It was Everybody was down. That was harsh. I'm in, you know, I'm from Philadelphia and I didn't feel good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody felt good about Nobody that. Nobody felt good about no. that. And so I think that's a piece of it where that emotion hasn't been able to be carried to this current generation because right. think about it this way if the fire were good in 1998 a kid was born in 2001 2002 they've never seen a good fire team so why would they invest in a team that's not good 
Right. I mean, think about 98. That was the year, the World Cup year, right? Yep. Was well, 94. World, 94. Was that 94. 25th was the anniversary of the 94 summer. 94 yeah. was the World Cup yeah. year. And that was like there was a big wave but, of enthusiasm. Right. So I'm, I'm a product of that. So yeah. I, that's my thing where it's like, okay, the emotion piece of it, right? So I was nine years old. And I remember going downtown because my dad was like, we're going to go see this. This is crazy. Like, they never had a World Cup like this in America. Like, there's because they were going all through the other cities. Like, it was mm-hmm. in like Philly and other places too. And we went. And I remember Germany was playing. And there we, we were at a bar, which shout out to my dad for just taking me to a bar. Um, but he was just like, these guys, I'll never forget the face paint. They had, I'll never forget it. Dude had the German flag like face painted on him. And he was hit. He had the cool, like the 94 Germany jerseys. If you haven't seen them before, they're so sick. And he had the jersey on. And I was like, this is the coolest person I've ever seen. Is this, this loud bearded white man is just yelling about this. And I don't know what's going on, but I love it. And I learned about soccer because of that, because they did a lot of outreach in the community. Oh, yeah. And yep. so they went to schools and they're like, here's soccer. And if you notice, like a lot of like, AYSO teams got cracking after that, like American soccer kind of had this boom because there was an interest in it. Yep. So you take that concept of that emotion and that excitement and that history and you bring it back because right. you have to create it again for the first time because these kids have never seen it. And with the kids go yep. the rest of everything else. I totally agree. And, you know, having, I think I've gone to two MLS games, mm-hmm. just to state my credentials here yeah, for, for, sure. for home listeners. <laughs> um, I, one of them was a fire game in 2001 yeah. at Soldier Field. So it's been a while. It was it was an interesting experience. And then another uh, time was uh, in Seattle, actually. That sounds cool. Seattle, I've heard that. Sando, so, so the stadium in Seattle is sort of, I guess it's sort of down by the water. Everything's mm-hmm. down Everything's by the down water. Everything's down by the water but, in Seattle, yeah. But, um... It felt like literally, every, like just getting to the stadium, everyone was heading the same direction. Yeah, right, which was pretty powerful. Yeah. Everybody was kitted out with, uh, with Sounders, yeah, scarves, going crazy. It was an incredible. Like it was also, you know, I've also only been to one football game too, mm-hmm. but uh, going to a football game, just the experience of watching it, it's like you're right. watching a courtroom drama or something right. where it's like, oh, the judge is going to have to go back <laughs> under the shroud. Yeah. And In soccer, it's just, it, you know, it's yeah. kinetic, it's constant action. Yep. The fans are into it. A lot of them are season ticket holders. Oh, yeah. So they know each other. For sure. You know what I mean? So Familiarity. Again, like right. you have a stake in it because you're looking around and these people who you have a positive relationship with are like, this is amazing. Right. We're all happy. And, and this, the, the people in the stands don't just know each other. They know the vendors. Yep. They know all the players. Right. They get, they're get they very, very committed. And right. I think Seattle's, I mean, Seattle's an unusually committed. But Seattle also like had a strong soccer culture even before they got the MLS team because they're a relatively new team in the grand scheme of things. Like They haven't been around that long, maybe six years, mm-hmm. maybe six or seven years. So you say to yourself, okay, they got that cracking in seven years. Chicago has had a team since 1998. And so what is the gap? And the gap, I feel like it's like, okay, cool. Maybe they don't think certain demographics care about soccer. Maybe they don't pay attention. But I think that that's a, there's a workaround with that, right? Because with non-traditional, mm, I shouldn't say this, like you can penetrate a market in a very subtle way. And so what I would say is that is basically my appeal to the team to make better jerseys. Sure. Because make, guess make, what? Make better jerseys. Make better give, jerseys. give everyone a reason to participate. Yep. Because the people who I know who aren't even really banging with soccer like that in Atlanta still have Atlanta United kids because they're sick. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, <laughs> for me, it's like, yeah, yeah. There it is. <sighs> um, 
Um, if you want to be a beverage sponsor, we can open your beverage every week. Feel free to this, inquire this, with it. This uh, podcast brought to you once again by store brand look, Fizzy Water. Yeah, that's right. Seriously, if you want to mess with us, what's up, Polar? Come fuck with us. Um, basically, I'm like saying like the, the kits get dope because I know people that have every Chicago sports team as a hat. They have every Chicago sports hat because it matches their fit. And it's a passive way, but it is a way to get people into something because even if it was a situation where I don't think you're going to let, I would say like somebody around the city, like a Joe fresh goods or somebody like that, who has this kind of appeal to the demographic you're trying to reach. Um, I would say like, let him design the jerseys. That's what I would say. I'd be like, Hey, let somebody in the city who has those design experiences design those jerseys. Wait, so is Joe fresh goods. Is that a metaphor? Is that Not a, a person? That's a real person. He's a real okay. person. He's okay. a fantastic person. Um, I just profiled him for complex. Um, so what, what I'm saying is like somebody who has clout on the street getting involved in soccer. I mean, like, look uh, again, using Atlanta as an, as an example, you know, they do a really funny thing, like with the team where like, you talk about that, like everybody's walking in and you know, the Mercedes Benz stadium, like they have a band out in front that's like mm-hmm. playing music, getting people hyped up. And there's a big old drum that they beat, you know, during the game. And they've had like rappers from the city come out. So like two chains is there just going crazy. And it's like, wait, is that two chains? Like, you know. Chicago has rappers too. Chicago has opportunities like that where the culture locally gets, has to get put front and center. But if you're, yeah, right. And to me, they're just, it's like, okay, that's a, that 12 mile gap is really longer than 12 miles. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It might as well be a grand Canyon. Yeah. So I guess kind of taking a step back. So we're saying, you know, we did a lot of kind of loose concepts, but if we're saying like, if you had to distill it down and we were like, okay, the three things that I would change about the Chicago fire, the second they touched down in the city of Chicago are, uh, I mean, well, one, there's new news, yep. right? So you want to you, you want to promote that. Yep. Uh, the things that I would change, yep. I think, uh, the way that I reach out to the community and present the team to uh, families and established soccer fans yep. uh, through sponsorships, probably in events, yep. uh, is one thing. I think, like you said, create reasons for people to actually show off their their fandom. Yeah. And then I think this, like the thing that we've kind of talked around a little bit and you've talked about, um, a little bit is the, the stadium and game experience oh, yeah. and making that it's like, everything. All right. Now that you can get to this from the red line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That opens right up. That, it's just like, okay, your audience really expands. You know what I would do? Honestly, whoever the sponsor is on the shirt, you know, cause every year they have the shirt sponsor. It's like Motorola. I think this year I would be like Motorola. One of the coolest things you can experience if you're a Bears fan is to go to that parking lot right by McCormick Place and post up for a tailgate. That experience is one of the coolest things you can ever see as a Bears fan because everyone around you, doesn't matter what they look like, you know, 70 years old, 12 years old, everybody's there is having fun, everybody there is hyped up, and everybody there is a fan. I'm writing this down. You should. Everybody, if you're a Bears fan and listening to this, go to a tailgate. You don't even got to go to the game. It's going to take you a while to get home, but it's fine. Um... What I'm saying, though, is like I would if I'm Motorola, I'm sponsoring that tailgate and I'm mm-hmm. bringing out hitters. I don't want, you know, like shout out to Rick Bayless, but I don't want anybody like fancy. I want like soccer fans. I want somebody's T.O., you know what I'm saying, with the with the, the, the grill that he made out of an oil drum. You know what I'm saying? Like pull up. Like let's have an actual experience because to me, you know, that's that's Chicago. Yep. Right. Some old guy just yelling about something while cooking some meat. That's Chicago. You know, <laughs> like and so. I think that experience will endear the fire to the city, especially the folks who are reluctant. And and like go to any Chicago city park. I mean, there's there's various levels of professionalization of 
soccer around, yeah. right? And there's tons of amateur games out there. What oh my if, god, are you kidding me? Like there's there's there and and there's all you know there's uh, there's well, families out there. What if you what if you send an MLS player to just join in a pickup game? You know what I'm saying? Like how, those those how, super a, competitive leagues right on the lakefront. Right. Oh my god, like a, I, that would be hysterical, but yeah. it would be kind of awesome. So you know it's something interesting. I don't know what year it was, but it happened right when I was still living in Logan Square, across the street from my apartment, Manchester City. The national, you know, the not national, the Premier League team from England mm-hmm. built pitches. They built a couple around the city, and the sport and social and player sports groups and all those organizations. One second, all like use them, and so you see active soccer, and it was like little kids, and it would be like grown men, like international games, where like dudes are cursing at each other in different languages, and like there's a Jamaican dude knocking out a Polish dude, like yeah. just going in, and like. That to me was like, yo, like we would just go grab beers and just go watch people play soccer. Mm-hmm. But it's wild to me that Manchester City, not even in, in this country, <laughs> in this continent, frankly, has a more, because I know they did one in Logan and did one in Pilsen, and I don't know what the other ones are, hmm. maybe in the Northwest side or something. But it was so fascinating to me just watching this, like, why didn't the fire do this? I mean, there's got to be something to. It's gotta, it might be money. Gotta, Honestly, it, it might be money. Well, like, it might be a money thing. I mean, they might be trying to build up their broadcast uh, audience for for overseas but I broadcast. Think, I mean, I yeah. No, I think it's them trying to establish soccer culture yeah. in America. Like, and so for me, it's like, okay, if Manchester City can see the value of doing, you know, local soccer focused events in the community, why can't the team that's been here? Sure. Right. And and one of the interesting things to me about the way MLS operates is really they like. It's it's the system of parity and yeah. revenue sharing has it helps uh, MLS think of it as we're not selling an individual individual team or an mm-hmm. individual player or an individual jersey we're selling the idea of soccer which right? I feel like that's a little aggressive like they should I feel like I understand why they feel like they have to do that because you have to grow the sport in America mm-hmm. but at the same time like nobody in the NHL except for the people who work for the NHL are concerned about growing hockey. You're like, I want my team to win a Stanley Cup, Right. period. And so for me, obviously this is something where strategically you can't really talk about on on the field stuff because that's GM stuff and you got to deal with contracts and trades and signing people, whatever. So I think obviously the 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 other piece of it that the that we're dancing around is like they just got to start winning games. Like if they start coming out (laughs) and just smoking people, then it's a different story. Right. I mean, it might might, like, I mean, they have high powered investors like for sure the, the, one of their owners is the morning star guy i mean they've got money yeah. it yeah. seems to me i don't know uh but they, like money. i i think yeah shout out to money money is important i think it would be incredible if like as part of this move they were also able to bring in some kind of high name high recognition name yeah. player i don't know who that would be i think uh, that's an mls thing in general i think what's happening is as the the league they're adding they you know they just added another team uh, in cincinnati they're adding more to come i think nashville's getting a team um austin is getting a team but they're adding so they're adding teams and like the sign of growth is a good thing because that means like you know they're making money but it's going to be 30 teams yeah yeah, yeah which is sure. it's higher than their target was four right. or five years ago and it's about equivalent to major league baseball yeah. uh granted the the attendance is not equivalent to major right. league baseball but it just shows the breadth of interest I think. right i think there and i think that's the you know you you talk to people about soccer in the united states and there's just a lot of cynicism and depending on age, I think it's a it's an age thing. But like people, soccer's never going to be a thing, right? Well, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, soccer's been the next big thing since I was ten. Yeah. So it's like, when is this? Is soccer going to happen or not? I or think, is, or is is this it? Is this? So is this it? is actually a, a cultural phenomenon that I think the team and everybody in Major League Soccer can take advantage of, right? 
football, football, the decrease in kids signing up for football. You have, and I, and I think that is going to have a ripple effect over the next 15 to 20 years. Like it's a generational thing that's going to happen. Like we won't see the ground shift until probably, you know, Gen Alpha, which is like the kids who were born like after 2006 or something like that, whatever the, the, the kid, kid kids right now, they are going to be the first generation to not play as much football. Now, did you play football? Yeah. 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 So did I. Yeah. I kind of regret it. Me too. I, I got never, it. I never understood. I mean, I, th- I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't, I was like, nobody had ever, I've never, I'd never seen a football game. Yeah. And then it was like, I can sign up for fo- football. Oh, that's great. I'll learn about yeah. football. But they never like explained it to me. Oh, see, I, I knew was how like, to play football. Like, like, like I, I just I, got, I just was 5'9". <laughs> and so it was like, well, this is it for you, little guy. And you're like, you're right. And I also got like crazy concussions. Ooh, um, did you really? I oh, yeah. I got like. This, this is a quick story. So I was running off a kick on kick kickoff coverage and a guy got the ball and we're going to block and I'm going and I'm, I see this guy, I'm coming. I'm like, I'm about to lay this. Ooh, boy, I'm about to. And I'm like full speed ahead. And this dude on his team comes across. I did the, the full like home alone two like 360 flip in the air, like Tony Hawk pro skater, like the 900. I don't know what happened. I looked up, I was like, Oh, um, hello. Like what, what is happening? And I was like, you know, maybe I'm not a football player. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But like, I mean, like the gen- homies that like, played soccer, like the thing that was also interesting. So I went to a school that, you know, had a pretty good soccer team and the kids that played soccer, a, were always in shape. B were cool. Like I always liked the soccer players in my school and still hang out with some of them to this day. But I think it's interesting to me because there's also this class thing. Mm-hmm. that I think is changing generationally with regards to soccer. I think every other country in the world, soccer is looked at something that everybody can play. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the stereotype has always been that it's only for like rich white kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true. I don't think it's been true for a long time, but I feel like that that bias still exists. Right. And so you have to, again, like you said, you have to get it in the community and serve those communities that aren't necessarily those rich white kids because they are going to be the ones who keep the lights on. Sure. Period. Right. You know, and that's and then not to say like, you know, you should ostracize any groups, but what you do do need to kind of level the playing field. So, you know, yes, soccer, by all intents and purposes, should not be a sport that costs a lot of money to be a part of. But it is like from a youth level. So you say to yourself, OK, can the team help subsidize some of that? You know, right. can the team say, OK, we're going to give, I don't know, 10 million dollars to CPS to develop out, you know, full investments into the public league for soccer programs and all those kids who are five 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 six five four who are going to lie to themselves and end up playing you know running back at like grand valley state or d3 ball who aren't going to ever sniff any sort of playing time in an actual major you know nfl scenario get those kids playing soccer sure because here's the thing if i go to your house tomorrow i'm recruiting i'm like look you can play for a couple years hopefully your knees make it hopefully you don't get overly concussed hopefully you don't get ko'd or you can play soccer until you're 40 right average <laughs> average career of a running back is what two three, years two th- yeah two yeah, yeah two point three years it's or something crazy like that. and you get your body gets torched right. um but I'm, yeah i mean like i ain't taking those hits man no more never again I, I, I kind of wonder if there's somebody in the back office of mls uh like like calling up lobbying firms or calling up PR <laughs> firms and just being like, what can we do to keep this concussion story on the front page? Look, <laughs> they're, they're running copies of the Will Smith movie. Do the right thing. Um, I That was an impression of Will Smith in the movie Concussion. 
Um, yeah, concussion is a Will Smith movie. What, did, yeah. what, is that real? Yeah, it's real. Really? He did a movie about like the NFL, the, the guy who, like Ben and Amalu, I think his name, the, the doctor who was like the guy to break open the like CTE thing. Hmm. And like Will Smith is him and they don't really look alike, but it doesn't matter. And, just, and like Will Smith has his accent. He's like, tell the truth. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Here's the here's the thing that Will Smith does to any movie. He's Shout out in. to Will Smith, by the way. I love Will Smith. I can't I, have any Will Smith slander. I just right. want to point that out. No Great. Will Smith slander. We would love hours. to have Will Smith on this show, but I just want to say every Will every movie that he's in, it's a Will Smith movie. Damn right. Bad Boys Three, get that, ready. Is is that real? Yeah, baby, they're making bad. Whoa, Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boy Three is coming. I'm cannot wait. I'm what, seeing it day day it comes out. What's your favorite Bad Boys? It's the first one. Yeah. It's a good one. Two is two is just the absolute most, but they start. I think I like two just at the beginning when they like shoot the clan. <laughs> like the the movie starts off with like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence just shooting the clan, <laughs> which to me as a African American is kind of the content I'm here for. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that sounds like I, I'd watch that. Man. Right. Like hey, I mean hey, all right. If that's how you gonna kick it off. Shout out to Michael Bay. Um. So, all that being said, if you have the opportunity. And you were like, you know, I was thinking, I think about content, you think about strategy. Strategically, is there an opportunity for soccer to have influencers? Like soccer influencers? Not people. Like, like fan like, influencers? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I'm fairly cynical about social media as a, I know that may sound strange. Yeah, what? A, digi- a digital guy. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, I feel like it. It can work. It yeah. can help, but it's never like the the solution. I think yeah. it's best when it's reflecting a real world yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's some place for that. I think, but I I, I would never go in and just say like, here's all you got to do: get people on Instagram mm-hmm. with their Chicago Fire scarves. I think that that could be part of. Something, I would send but- a care package. I would be like, okay, who likes soccer? Who I'd look at your account, and I'd be like, micro influencers. So nobody above like. Uh, call it thirty five hundred followers, so you can you can pick you know whatever platform you want to get in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago located. I'll give you Chicago land area. Maybe cut it off at Aurora and Joliet, right? So you say, okay, who are these soccer fans? I don't need you to be like that level three, like diehard. You're pinning your face fan, but those people who have that clout in their circles, I would just send them a kit. I'd be like, here's a jersey, here's a scarf. You're a fire fan. That's cool. And That'd the thing fun. is, a lot of people be like, okay, that's sick, but if the jersey's dope, they're going to put it on, right? How about, how about, like, I would love to see people from the fire, like the grounds crew, oh, yeah. go out and maintain the, the grounds at soccer pitches around the city and just like, yeah. just be like, plant Chicago fire flags there and just say, hey, we want you to have the safest, best possible For field. Yeah. You can have Chicago fire. And then and just, the thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, I love that idea. I think it's also something that you're now, again, you're building that culture, but you're also giving back to the community because a grounds is, you know, the people who do those kind of, even stadium upkeep and maintenance, like that's some world-class, like those people are experts in their field. They know like temperature of grass and like what grasses are good for what. And I think giving experts an opportunity to show off, like one of my favorite little subcultures is if you look like every major college uh, football team has a YouTube with their equipment manager at this point <laughs> and the equipment manager, the God bless these little nerds. They will just be like, there's a video I saw and it was like, they put out everything a player gets to start the season. They're like nice. road helmet, road Jersey, pair of slip shoes, some stuff. And like, it's, it's silly, but it's the kind of stuff where if you're a fan, you're like, yeah, hey. those, those shorts look so cool. 
I go to when I go to a baseball game, which is my most attended sport. Yeah. Uh, like uh, what I love seeing is the groundskeepers coming out to groom the oh, infield yeah. in the uh, like third inning yeah. and sixth inning, something like that. And it's always you know it'll be like high schoolers. Yep. And they get it perfect. Perfect. You know? I mean, they just and like, how they job till they're fifty years old. Oh yeah. But the thing that and you know what also and this is this is another piece where we talk about giving back to the community. Do you know what I would do? I would go to every Chicago Fire season ticket holder who's been a season ticket holder for over five years. And I would sit them down at a commercial and I would be like, why are you still a soccer fan? Like, why are you still a fire fan? Hmm. Because the people who are, I always say, I respect people who support losing teams because you can literally spend your money on anything else. Yeah. Right. And, and like, I'm, look, I'm a White Sox fan my entire life. <laughs> for the most part, it's not necessarily been a, an investment that has paid off. 2005. <laughs> oh, that was the best year. Oh, my God. 2001 was a good year, oh, one, but they lost, to, they lost yeah. to the Mariners? They lost to the Mariners. Yeah, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I still, Edgar Martinez, man. I love you, but why? Why, Edgar Martinez? Why? I know. Uh, but no, like, as a Sox fan, I'm saying, like, it's, you know, definitely a depreciating asset. Like, you can spend your, you don't have to spend your money on sports. Right, but I mean, the Sox, what have the Sox done? I mean, they've made the the stadium experience better yeah. every year. The food's right? better. Uh, they they, food's they doubled down on like, okay, we're going to win the stadium battle, and I think they did. Like, I think I, I personally, obviously biased withstanding, Wrigley is a better experience if you want a theme park. Sure. If you want to watch some baseball, you go to watch the Sox game. Wrigley is where to go to hang out with right. your fun, fan, uh, your friends. It's not, the, it's not fans. It's corporate it's, groups now. Hang, it's out, like, with, hang, out, with hang your out with your sales friends manager. Friends and colleagues from uh, the downstate fraternity system. I mean, I've been to more, <laughs> I've personally been to more games. You're at just Wrigley. slandering. This is a spoiler. I've, I've been to more games at Wrigley Field where it's just like the a media rep who's just like, hey, I've got tickets. Oh, I love it. I'm not even going, hey, I'll be at Wrigley probably this weekend. I don't care. It's a good time. Um, it's great. But for me, what I'm saying, going back to the fire is like, the people who have been keeping the lights on are the people you need to put out front mm. and you need to showcase that passion because again, there is a lot of other things they could do with that money. So how do you say, Hey, we appreciate you and we want you to understand what it's like to be a fire fam. So here's some real fire fans. Right. 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 Um, in addition to that, I probably, I would, I would go out of my way to, to have the bears there. Like the players, I would I would court the Bears players so hard because the Bears are the most popular team in the city. Sure, the most popular team in the state. Well, <laughs> Bears, Bears or Cubs. I think the Bears well, are I because mean, there's like, because I'm a Bears fan and I'm not a Cubs fan. Hold on, like the Bears don't. Who do they have anymore? Who, who's the, like are you kidding sig- me? Who's their like the signature are, player? Uh, Khalil Mack. Okay, <laughs> Khalil Mack. I mean, Mr. Trubisky on the offensive side. Like what I'm saying is, everybody's a Bears fan. Not everybody's a Cubs fan. Ah, okay. You yeah, know what I'm sure. saying? Right. So yeah, like in yeah, high, yeah, yeah. like when I was in middle school. It's the Venn diagram. Right. Yeah. We were like we were like beating each other up in middle school about Cubs versus Sox when like interleague was a new thing in like ninety eight. We were like, All right, we're the Sox fans. But everybody's a Bears fan. Right. Nobody was like, uh who is another like regionally, who's the next closest team? The Packers. The Detroit? It would Packers. be the Packers. Okay. It'd be Green Bay. Yeah. Which right. we ain't doing that. No. Um so I think that that's a piece of it too, where it's like Get the the team that everybody likes around because they you know odds are like a lot of athletes man they they support you know I think uh, there's there's always something cool to be said about like if you pull up and somebody you love is there right you, you know I mean how do you frame that up to your own like MLS 
fire players who you're like, hey, we got uh, we got Khalil Mack from the Bears. They would be excited. He's our, he's I think our they'd be like, holy shit, he's our Khalil spokesperson. Mack. No, but like, okay, so here's an example. <laughs> Look about what the Bulls, the White Sox, the Bulls and the White Sox do. They're owned by the same person, obviously. But like, the Bulls will have White Sox night. The White Sox will have Bulls night, and like. The, the mascot comes and it's like a celebration of the city. That's called synergy. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some synergy the, cracking. In, in the biz. In the biz. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that's important. And I think, you know, if you're trying to really establish a team culture that will last for generations, which is the point of having a sports team, like you want a granddad, a dad, a kid, you know, a mom, everybody to come and support these teams you have to give them reasons to establish you know, or or moments to attach positive memories to a hundred percent a hundred percent i i have to say the one football game that i went to mm-hmm. the loudest and this is in st louis the rams oh, playing yeah. at edward jones stadium yeah. their second year there yeah the loudest ovation oh, that yeah. that was heard in the stadium was when they they put the camera on three st louis cardinals I'm telling players you. And the Cardinals had just gotten out of the yeah. out of the playoffs, and they were the biggest thing. You know, I'm it was like you. Willie McGee and that guy <laughs> who played third base for them. And would I you see what I'm saying? Like, if I guarantee you, if the Fire, let's say they're playing like, because you know they're playing. The the thing is also there's a lot of regional game like opportunities too. So like Cincinnati, Minnesota, like Columbus, I think has been kind of a back and forth rival for a while. But like, if you were in the middle of a game and it's like a rivalry game, and the Fire are doing it and they're kicking butt, and you're like, ladies and gentlemen. Here to cheer the fire on, Khalil Mack. He gets up. He's wearing a fire kit. And he looks sick, and everybody's like, "Oh, let's go!" Like that would. I mean, it yeah. would almost be even better if he just did that organically. Well, I think right? you, well, you can finesse that, right? <clears throat> yeah. So, like, we can get you. I mean, if he's an athlete and he just wants to go watch the game, well, you get the full experience, baby. Give him the hat to wear after. I'm, he, I'm, I'm decking him out. I'm sending him. I'm sending him a kit. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm literally like going back to the equipment manager thing. Like, your season ticket holder to the fire. We're gonna send you literally the outfit. Every everything a fire player gets in a season, you get sent to your house. A little kid will love that. You get All the right. warm ups. You get the shorts. You get the warm up. You know, climb a cool moisture wicking top. You know what I'm saying? Like that whole thing. And so I think those. I mean, these are all kind of loose concepts. But again, it goes back to the central idea of investment into your fans. Totally agree. Yeah. So, how do you feel? I feel. I feel fulfilled. <laughs> enriched um so this is you know where it's kind of funny this is the new format i think we can talk a case a day probably for the next 10 years but i think i think yeah we're going to um but i think the biggest thing is is a takeaway uh if you're the chicago fire or you know someone who works there give us a call yeah we can do a follow-up we would love we would love to have this conversation in your offices and well this isn't (laughs) with you this isn't a pitch this is just like we want to hear from you yeah i think what is honestly like yeah soccer fans in general like if you're listening to this or you're mls fan you're a person who writes in sports business like i want to know because we only know what we see and i love expert opinions and i don't believe we have the answers in totality but we do have some ideas and sometimes that's all you need to get something changed up and or something started right on yeah man um, okay. So and now for, for the audiences at home, this is where Ernest and I do this sweet handshake. <laughs> it's like, All it's, right. it's involved. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. It's like it, in the biz, this would be known as a complicated ethnic handshake. Here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, yeah. oh God, Man. that is sick. Oh my God. I can't believe. Wow. wow. You're more flexible than I would expect you would be. <laughs> um, okay you've folks. Got, you've got calluses. <laughs> yeah. I'm working hard, hard work, hard work, baby. Um, this is office hours. My name is Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. We'll check you back next week. Remember.
Every radio, every great radio show host has a signature sign-off. Exactly. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Wade's Robbie Talks for the Superstars. Tonight, tonight, Wade's guest, the incredible, incredible, incredible.